Good morning, my name is Eric O'Brien and I'm the tech director here at eFree. We have some announcements to share with you, but first I want to say thank you. If you call eFree your church home, we would like to say thank you for financially supporting our mission at this church. Last year was an unpredictable year with the flooding relief and being in the midst of a capital opportunity, but your generosity was amazing. We were able to fully fund our Columbia church plant, renovate the chapel, build a prayer room, and bring the church debt to below $500,000. So thank you all so very much. Your stewardship of what God has given you has done so much through all the ministries here that seek to glorify His name. If you are still looking to make an end of your gift, you can do so today through the offering bags that are being passed or online at carneyefree.com. Again, we appreciate your generosity. Now, on to some announcements. Our church vision is Every Person Matters, and we would love to get connected with you. Whether you're here for the first time or have been attending here a long time, please feel free to connect with a pastor or volunteer following today's service. You can also fill out the connection card attached to your handout. Please provide some basic contact info on the tear-off and place it in the connection card box near the exits or at the info center. This card can also be used for any questions, comments, or prayer requests. Next Sunday, we will begin a seven-week series called The Daily Grind. This series will explore the theological and spiritual foundations within our professions and callings. We want to encourage you to know that God can and does use you within your vocations, even when you are bored, discouraged, or disappointed by work. The hope is that you will feel empowered by the truth that God is pleased with the good work done with our minds and hands. So join us in the new year starting January 5th for The Daily Grind. Coinciding with this new series will be a one-day conference on January 25th. The Gospel at Work conference will be presented by the Nebraska Gospel Network here at eFree. The heart behind this conference is to help you better understand God's purpose in your work. Costs for the conference and additional details are available in your handout or at carneyefree.com. Also, if you're looking for some financial peace in the new year, we would like to encourage you to attend our Financial Peace University classes. The course will teach you biblical principles for stewardship, and the first day of class is at 6.30 p.m. on January 27th. Again, check your handout or carneyefree.com to register or learn more. Thank you for choosing to join us this morning. Please make note of the additional announcements in your handout. And now let's please welcome Pastor Jordan to the stage as he closes out the last Sunday morning of 2019. Well, thank you very much, Eric, for that warm introduction. Hello, everyone at home. I hope that you are safe and warm at home. And this may be the first, first ever church service where most of our attendees are in their pajamas. But I hope that you guys are all doing well, and I'm thankful for uh, technology and the ability we have to continue to stream the message, even though we weren't able to have church as we normally do on this Sunday. So as we begin, um, I have a question for you. How many of you have seen the TV show American Pickers? You can play along at home and raise your hand. I won't be able to see you, but I know some of you are raising your hands at home. Um, but my guess is there's probably one guy or gal in the living room that's, I've not heard of this show. And so because of them, I, I would like to tell you a little bit about American Pickers. So there's two guys named Mike and Frank. And Mike and Frank, they travel around and they look in people's attics and their garages and their Quonset buildings and barns and different things looking for treasure. And they don't call it treasure, they call them antiques, but really it's treasure. And what happens is they'll find little items and they'll offer 10, 20 bucks for them, try and make a deal so they can purchase this item and then resell it to somebody else down the road. 
Well, once in a while, they'll find some guy that has something in his attic that is amazing. That they'll be, this is a one-of-a-kind item, and it's in mint or perfect condition, and they just can't believe this guy has this item. And as they're saying these things, you can see the homeowners or the item owners' eyes get bigger and bigger and bigger, and they think, I am about to retire. Like, this is incredible. I'm going to retire. They're going to offer me a million dollars for this item. I'm going to be rich. And then it turns out that it's Mike who comes first, and Mike says, you know, I think I probably could offer you 100 bucks for this thing. And you go, $100? Like, come on, Mike. You just said this was a one-of-a-kind priceless item, and it's in mint condition. $100 is the most you can do? Well, then Frank will jump in, and Frank will say, well, that's a little low. I can do $125. Like, come on, Frank, $125? I want to see a million dollars. I want to see them find an item and say, I will give you all the money in my bank account for this thing because it's so valuable. But they always go back and forth, and they always end up saying, you know, I got to leave myself some room to work with this. I got to make a profit on this. And at the end of the day, Mike and Frank, I'm not trying to attack them, but Mike and Frank are trying to make a profit. They're goal is not to um, keep these items. Their goal is to resell the items. Well, I tell you that story because today we're going to look at two other finders of treasure. There's two individuals and two different stories we're going to read today. And these two guys both find treasure and they have completely different responses. So let me pray and then we'll get to our verses for today. Father God, I thank you so much, again, for technology. God, thank you that despite the snow, despite the weather, we can still have um, some sort of a church service. God, we pray that you would um, keep everyone safe, that you would help them uh, to just stay warm on this day, and that you would use these verses and you would use these words in their hearts and their minds. God, we pray that you would help us to see the value and the worth of the kingdom, and our hearts would be captivated by them as we study the kingdom here this morning. We pray this all in your son's name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles with you at home, I invite you to get them out, and we were going to be in Matthew 13, verse 44. So Matthew is in the New Testament, so it's towards the back of your Bible. Um, it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So if you find Mark, Luke, or John, you went a little bit too far, so back up a little bit, go to the thicker part of the Bible, and you will find Matthew. Looking for Matthew 13, which is the chapter, the big number, and the little number is the verse, which is 44. Probably has a heading on it, something like the parables of the hidden treasure and the pearl, or the parable of the hidden treasure. And so we're talking about a parable this morning, or two parables, and a parable is a story that Jesus would tell in order to convey one big idea. There is one thing that he wants his audience to understand, and he wants us to understand from his story. And this is the story that he tells. In verse 44, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had, and he bought that field. So let me tell you that parable or that story one more time with a little bit more uh, meat on those bones or a little bit more uh, to it. So this is my version of the parable. So pretend with me there's a man named Joshua. And Joshua is walking through a Middle Eastern field in the middle of the day, and the sun is beating down on him. And he is sweating, and he is getting dirty as he walks through the dust and the dirt, and he's stepping around bushes and over rocks, and he steps on a big boulder, hoping that it's going to support his weight. And as he puts his weight down on the boulder, the boulder gives way, and he falls on his backside in the middle of this field. And he begins to look around to see why in the world did this boulder give way. And as he turns around to look, what he sees is shining, shimmering 
silver and gold and diamonds and rubies and emeralds. And his heart begins to beat really fast because he realizes that he has just uncovered a treasure and begins to look around to see, is there anybody else that noticed that I just found this treasure? And he sees that nobody else is around, so he quickly covers up the treasure. And because of the the law at the time, the owner of the field owned anything found in the field. And so this man must purchase the entire field in order to gain the treasure. So he walks and runs and sprints back to home. And if it was 2019, he began to list all of his items, all of his worldly possessions on eBay and Facebook Marketplace and Carney Area Exchange. He began to sell everything he owns. And he sells all that he owns except for the clothes on his back. And as each item is sold, he claps and he rejoices and he celebrates that he's this much closer to the treasure. He is this much closer to getting what his heart really longs for. That these things are really not that important compared to the treasure hidden in the field. And then finally, he sells the last item and he puts that money in his money bag. And he takes his money bag and he begins to walk around town looking for the owner of the field. And when he finds this man, he plops down his money bag and he says sir I'd like to make a deal with you I want to purchase your field and the owner of the field would open the money bag and begin to run his fingers through the coins and the silver and the gold and he would say I think we can make a deal and they would do what was necessary to transfer ownership of the field from the previous owner to this man who was sold everything for this field and now the field is his and he would run and sprint and walk back to the field where he'd uncover the treasure he had hidden and he rejoiced that now the treasure is his. So what is it that Jesus is trying to tell his audience? What is this big idea? So there's two parts and the first part is this. The kingdom of heaven is a priceless treasure. So this is our first takeaway for today. So if you have paper and pen at home, I invite you to write this down. That the kingdom of heaven is a priceless treasure. Now I'll give you a couple of seconds to write that down, but again, it is the kingdom of heaven is a priceless treasure. This is what Jesus is trying to convey to his audience. He wants them to see that there is this incredible value, this priceless, one-of-a-kind, unbelievable value when it comes to the kingdom of heaven. So this is where I get this. If you go to Matthew 13, it says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. So he says the, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure. So he wants you to know it's treasure. And then he goes on to say it's so valuable. There's a couple of things that he does to show how valuable it is. The first, as he says, once the man found it, he covered it up. That if you find a penny on the ground, you either choose to pick it up or you leave it. You don't cover up the penny and go, oh, this is very valuable. I have to hide it because I can't get it right now. That's not what he's doing here. He's covering it up because it's incredibly valuable. So people get caught up in the covering up thing and they go, okay, if this is the kingdom of heaven, does this mean I'm supposed to hide it from other people? That's not what's going on. Jesus is just saying, he wants you to see the value of the treasure. He wants you to see that it's priceless, that it's one of a kind, that it has incredible value and worth. And because it has incredible value and worth, the man covers it up again until he can purchase it, until he can have it. And then he leaves and he sells all that he has in order to purchase it. So let's take a moment and talk about what is the kingdom of heaven because so much of the time we think the kingdom of heaven is merely salvation and it certainly is salvation but it's so much more than salvation. So let's get into what is the kingdom of heaven. 
So this is the definition that I've come up with, and it's a working definition. So here's what it says. It says, the kingdom of heaven is the authority or rule of God in a person's life, in our families, and in our world. The kingdom creates a Christ-like way of living that affects who we are and who we become. Entrance into the kingdom of heaven is through faith and trust in Jesus Christ, which leads to repentance. And so it is God's reign and rule over my heart, over my life, over my family, and hopefully over our world. That we want to see more and more people enter into this kingdom, and as they enter into this kingdom, God's kingdom advances around our world, as it advances more and more people love their neighbor well. More and more people follow and obey God's commands and his rules and his instructions. So here's how we enter this kingdom. If you're in this room, or if you're watching online, and you are um, a Christ follower, this is how you probably entered this kingdom. That you were walking through life, and you were the Lord of your life. That you were the one who was reigning and ruling over your life, and you were saying, I will make the decisions over what I do, over what I say, over how I treat people, and what I think about that I am king. I'm going to decide what my life is supposed to look like. I will give myself an identity that I choose for myself. No one is gonna tell me who I am. And as we live that life, what what we discover is that we're not a very good king. At least that's what I discovered in my life is that I was a lousy, terrible king. And as long as I sat on the throne of my life and as long as I was king over my life, I was going to hurt people at my own expense that I was gonna hurt myself when I thought I was making the best decision. Really, I was only hurting myself and the people around me. And then what happened is I heard the gospel. I heard this beautiful message that Jesus Christ came for me. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross to pay pay for my sin and the debt that I owed God because of my rebellion. Because of all the times I sat on the throne and said, God, no, you don't get to sit here. You don't get to tell me how to live my life. I will tell you how I'm gonna live my life and you're gonna be quiet. And so there is rebellion and there is sin and punishment that is due for that kind of behavior. And Jesus Christ paid it. And he paid it in full. And he proved that he paid it in full by coming back to life, by being resurrected after three days. Then it says that it was paid in full. And now I can enter into this kingdom of heaven when I put my trust and my faith in Jesus Christ as I put my trust and my faith in him and I produce repentance because of that trust and faith it produces repentance or turning away from sin turning towards Christ and what means is I get off the throne I get off of the throne in my life and say Jesus I want you to sit here I want you to sit on the throne and I want you to have lordship or reigning and ruling over my life i want you to call the shots i want you to tell me how i should live i want you to give me a new identity i want you to give me a kingdom to live in so there is a pastor in la named jeremy treat and this is how jeremy says this is how he describes the kingdom of heaven he says the kingdom of god is the vision of the world reordered around the powerful love of god in christ To be saved into the kingdom of God is to have God's comprehensive rule over every aspect of life. This is a far cry from merely asking Jesus into my heart. It means a new life, a new identity, and a new kingdom. So now, no longer is my life my own, but now it belongs to Christ. No longer does my identity, whatever I choose for myself, but it is my Christ-purchased identity that I receive as an adopted son or as an adopted daughter, if you're watching online, as an adopted son or daughter in Christ. 
And no longer am I building the kingdom of Jordan. Instead, now I am building the kingdom of heaven through God's love and reign and rule in my heart and my life and the power of the Holy Spirit working inside of me to produce a new nature, a new person who's more like Jesus. So this is the kingdom of heaven. This is a crash course, if you will, in the kingdom of heaven. And this is what Jesus is saying is a priceless, one-of-a-kind treasure. So now that we understand what the kingdom of heaven is in a little way, let's go look at three important features of this parable. So the first important feature is that this man wasn't looking for the kingdom. He wasn't looking for the treasure. That it doesn't say he got a shovel one day and went digging around in some guy's field. It says he found the treasure. And when he found the treasure, he did whatever it took in order to receive that treasure. So maybe this morning, you're watching online or you're watching at some other point online and you're going, I don't know why I'm here. That this feed popped up inside my feed, this video popped up and I clicked on it and I'm not sure why I'm here. And you've stumbled upon the kingdom of heaven. You have stumbled upon this opportunity where I'm declaring and these verses are declaring the kingdom of heaven is a priceless treasure. And now the question is, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to be like this man who is willing to surrender, willing to sell everything to receive and do whatever it takes to receive it because he sees that it's a priceless, one-of-a-kind treasure? Or are you going to click out and say, ah, I don't really want this today. Ah, this isn't for me. Oh, that's really not that valuable. Are you going to move on? Because this man was not looking for it and it found him. And today, maybe you were looking for the kingdom of heaven and it found you. And my hope and my prayer is that you would receive the kingdom. You would step up off of that throne that you've been sitting on, where you've been reigning and ruling, and you would step aside and say to Jesus, Jesus, I want you to sit here. I trust in you, I believe in you, and I want you to reign and rule over my life, over my family, and over our world. That is my hope for you this morning. The second important feature of the parable is that he joyfully, joyfully sold all his possessions. He didn't begrudgingly sell his stuff. He didn't say, I think I'm making the right decision. I hope I'm making the right decision. Oh, I really, really, really like my couch, but I had to sell it. I, I wish I could keep my couch and the treasure. He says, get it out of here. This treasure is so valuable, so important, so one of a kind that I will do whatever it takes to receive this treasure. He joyfully sold everything he had to gain the treasure. And then the third feature is that he sold everything. The treasure cost him everything. Which leads us to the second part of what I think Jesus is trying to teach us here this morning. Which is this. The kingdom of heaven requires that we give every area of our life over to God. We have to give every area, our entire life, over to God. That it is a priceless treasure and it's worth our entire life and it will cost us our entire life. Now this man, he had to sell everything to receive the treasure. Now I don't believe we have to go out and sell everything in order to purchase the kingdom because we don't purchase the kingdom. We receive the kingdom because of what Jesus Christ has purchased for us. But in order to receive it, we have to surrender our entire life. That we have to completely get off the throne and say, Jesus, I want you to sit here. That we don't get to say, Jesus, I'm going to surrender to you my Sundays and my Mondays and my Tuesdays and my Wednesdays and my Thursdays, but you back off of my Friday and my Saturday. Jesus, you're not going to tell me how to live my life on Friday and Saturday. I will call the shots on those days. We don't get to do that. We don't get to say, Jesus, I'll give you my entire life except for my finances. 
You don't tell me what to do with my money, Jesus. You back off of that area of my life. We don't get to do that. We don't get to say, Jesus, I'll give you my entire life except for my dating relationships. You don't get to decide the pool of people that I am going to choose my spouse from. You back off, Jesus. We don't get to do that. That if we have not surrendered every area of our life, then we are in rebellion still. That all we have done is scoot forward on the throne and said, hey, Jesus, I, I made a little room for you in the back. Would you, would you please kind of scoot behind me? Would you sit on the side over here? If, we've, if we're doing that, we haven't gotten off the throne. And so we have to completely and entirely stand up and get off the throne and say, Jesus, would you sit here? That whatever you say is what I'm going to do. That I will strive by the best of my ability. I'm not going to be perfect, but by the best of my ability, I'm going to strive to be obedient to your commands and your, your direction and your instruction, Jesus. By the power of the Holy Spirit working inside of me. But I want you to know it's worth it. We have to give up everything, but it's worth it. It is incredibly worth it. Now we see that in this guy's response, that he so joyfully sold everything he had in order to receive the treasure. But why is he so joyful and he's so quick to sell everything? Well, there's a bunch of us right now that we're thinking about that area that God's nudging on us and saying, hey, you haven't surrendered this yet. You, you say that you're following me and you're, you're trying to follow me, but you haven't surrendered this area yet to, my, to me. And so all that you're really doing is you're saying, God, I will take suggestions from you that I'll take suggestions and you put them in the suggestion box and I'll read them and I'll decide if that's a good thing or a bad thing and ultimately we're still king and God is nudging in that area and he's saying I want you to give that up and we're hesitant right now why is it that that man was not hesitant at all and we're hesitant so I think the reason is that we don't see the value of the kingdom we don't understand the incredible worth we don't understand that it's this priceless one of a kind treasure because if we did, we would instantly be willing to surrender whatever it took in order to receive it. So let me give you an example. <clears throat> so if you would play along at home with me, I have 10 $1 bills. So pretend with me by the uh, ability of technology, uh, there's some way that I could give you this $10. And so you're going to hold this $10 in your hands. So you're holding these $10. Uh, don't get too attached to them because I'm going to need them back. Now I have $100. I have $100 and I have, I have a few questions to ask you. Would you be willing if I was going to trade my $100 for your one, just one of your $1 bills, would you be willing to make that trade with me? My guess is you would instantly say yes. That you wouldn't have to call some money advisor. You wouldn't have to call your spouse and say, hey, hey uh, there's a pastor at the church and he wants to trade me $100 for my $1 bill. You wouldn't have to do that. You just be instantly like, yes, I will do that trade. Now, what if I was going to ask you for five, five of your $1 bills to trade for my $100 bill? Would you be willing to do that? Again, instantly, you would say, absolutely, I will give you my five $1 bills for that $100 bill. I will do that all day long. I won't call my spouse. I won't call my money advisor. I won't Google it. I'll do it. Now, what if I was to ask you for everything? I was to say, I want all of your $10. I want all $10 in order for my $100 bill. Would you be willing to trade? Again, instantly you would say yes. Instantly I will do that. I will make that trade. So now the question is why? Why is it that there was, not a, there was no hesitation? There was no, I gotta, I gotta think about this. There was an instant yes. 
is because we understand the value of money. We understand that if I give up $10, even if it's everything I have for a $100 bill, I am gaining way more than I'm losing. And so I will do that deal all day long because I'm getting the better end of the deal. But here's what I want you to know. When we give up everything, when we surrender everything for the kingdom, we get a way better deal. We get infinitely more than we we lose. It is incredible, incredible what we gain in the kingdom. It is incredible what we gain through our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, if we understood the value of the kingdom, we would not be hesitant to surrender what God asks us to surrender. We would not wrestle with, is this really the right decision? We would instantly do it because we realize I'm gaining way, way, way more than I'm losing. So there's a man named Paul, and Paul totally got this. Paul was a man who at one time was a high-ranking religious leader in the Jewish faith. And Paul had power, he had prestige, he had, um, he had influence, he had a title, he had safety and security and a good income. He had all of these things. And he surrenders them all for the kingdom. He surrenders them all to follow Jesus. He surrenders them all for his relationship with Christ. And this is what he says about that in Philippians 3, verse 8. In Philippians 3, 8, Paul says, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. He says, everything I lost, my power, my prestige, my title, my safety, my security, my income, my friends, my family, everything I lost, it was worth it compared to what I gained in Christ. He says, it wasn't even comparable. He says, when I look at those things compared to what I gained, they look like garbage. Because he understands the value of the kingdom. He understands all that he gains in a relationship with Christ. All that he gains when the Holy Spirit comes into his life. All that he gains when when he gains eternity. When he, gains Christ, when he gains God the Father becoming his father, when he, bec- when he gains Jesus Christ becoming his big brother and Jesus Christ being his atonement, his sacrifice for his sin, he understands, I gain infinitely more than I lose. Which leads us to our third point this morning, or our third takeaway from this passage. In receiving the kingdom, we gain infinitely more than we lose. We gain infinitely more. We don't just gain a little bit. It's not just, it's really close, but I think there's a little bit more than we gain than we lose, so we should do this. It's infinitely more, is that we gain infinitely more than we lose. So I'm indebted to a man named D.A. Carson, who's a Bible scholar, uh, for this point. He says in his commentary on these verses, he says, the kingdom of heaven is worth infinitely more than the cost of discipleship. And those who know where the treasure lies joyfully abandon everything else to secure it. That there is certainly a cost. There is certainly a cost to discipleship. There's certainly a cost to following Christ. But what we lose is nothing compared to what we gain. We gain infinitely more than we lose. And if we see that, it becomes easier and easier and easier to quickly and instantly surrender whatever it is that God says, hey, this area of your life is not surrendered to me. This area of your life is still in rebellion to me. You're still sitting on the throne in this area. Would you get up off the throne and would you let me sit down and reign and rule? Now the problem though is that we just don't understand the kingdom very well. 
the kingdom can be this vague idea or this distant idea and we, we really again just relate it with salvation so much of the time and even if all that we gained in the kingdom was salvation it would be worth it and we gain infinitely more than we lose but we gain so much more than that so this entire year every single one of our sermon series has been focused on the kingdom of heaven whether we've realized it or not we've been learning about the kingdom of God the kingdom of heaven this entire year so let me quickly go through our sermon series so in January, last January, we started with the Unstuck series, and we had the VW bug on stage, or not the bug, the VW van on stage, and we talked about this incredible wonder that as kingdom citizens, we can be unstuck in life, that we do not have to be trapped or overwhelmed or overcome by things in our life. We can be free, and we can overcome them because we're kingdom citizens, because as citizens in the kingdom, we are set free from sin and we were no longer slaves to sin. And so we can overcome all these areas in our life. And then from there, we went to the two road series. We talked about how there's this one road that weaves through the kingdom of heaven. And it's a narrow road, but it's a good road that leads to the kingdom of heaven and through the kingdom of heaven. And this is how we live in this kingdom. And then there's this wide road. And the wide road, unfortunately, leads to destruction. And it's easy to find. And many people walk down it, but it leads to destruction. And from there, we talked about our Easter series, which is when empty means full. We talked about how the kingdom of heaven completely fills us. It's not just a partial or a partway filling. It is a completely gigantic, overflowing kind of filling. And then we talked about in the series, the letter to the Galatians, which was our off-the-hook series. We talked about how as kingdom citizens, we receive freedom through Christ, that he purchases our salvation, that we receive our salvation through trusting and believing in Jesus and producing repentance, that we turn away from our sin, we turn towards Christ, or we get off the throne, and we let him sit on the throne. And that's how we receive the kingdom. That's how we become Christ followers. And then we talked about the fruit for every day. We talked about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. These nine characteristics that the Holy Spirit produces inside of us and grows inside of us as we follow Christ, as we trust in Jesus, and we become kingdom citizens, we are filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit begins to work in our lives to produce these nine characteristics. And then from there, we went to the, the series, To Whom Much is Given. We talked about the generosity of the kingdom, that we serve a generous king that has been incredibly generous to us. And as his citizens and as his children, we should be generous as well with our time and our talents and our resources and our money, that we should be generous people because we serve a generous God, a generous father, a generous king. And then finally, we ended out the year by talking about savoring Christmas. And we talked about as kingdom citizens, we should be people who dwell on the king of the kingdom. We dwell on this king who became an infant and a baby so that he could grow and rescue us through dying on a cross for us. That he set aside the privileges of heaven to come to earth to be with us. And so, we spent this entire year this entire year focusing on the kingdom, whether we knew it or not. And my belief is that if you are a Christ follower, if you are a kingdom citizen, God is growing these principles from each one of these messages inside of you day by day by day. And it's not as fast as we want. We want it to be instantaneous. We want to go to bed at night and wake up, and then we've mastered whatever it is that we were talked about in church that day. It doesn't work that way. 
that it is following God day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, and we look back after a decade and we go, man, I am so much closer to Jesus now. At the end of the 2010s, as 2019 closes and 2020 begins, I am so much closer to God now than I was when 2010 rolled around. And that's how it works. It's not overnight. It is year after year decade after decade we grow closer to God and we become more like Christ so in Matthew 19 29 the disciples want to know they said we've given up everything to follow you Jesus we've given up we've lost so much to follow you Jesus what do we gain what do we get and Jesus says this to them he says and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. He says you will receive a hundred times as much and inherit eternal life. Now I want to be really clearly right, really clear right now. So please, if you're listening at home right now, would you please lean in a little bit to the TV? Because I am not saying that this is some give-to-get idea. This is not the prosperity gospel of if you give our church $1, you will receive $100. That is not what this is. What this is is if you give up for the sake of the kingdom, you will not actually lose. That if because you follow Christ and you begin to love him and to give your life to him and surrender your life to him and the rest of your family or your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister or your spouse is not okay with that and you, begins to damage that relationship, he says you're not actually going to lose. That if you lose your mom or your dad because they can't stand that you follow Jesus, he says there's a point when you're going to turn around and you're going to look at your life and you're going to say, I actually gained when I turn around and look at my life, I maybe lost my mom or my dad or my brother or my sister, but in the grand scheme of everything, I gained a hundred times more. The why I lost a dad, I gained a hundred spiritual dads through my church family, through the people in my life group, that I gained more. And on top of all that, I gained eternal life. And so this is not some give to get. This is if you give, you won't actually lose that when you lay down things for the sake of the kingdom, you won't actually lose those things, but instead, you're gonna look back at the end and you're gonna say, I gained. Now, really quickly, let's look at the second parable, Matthew 13, 45 and 46. So we won't spend as much time here, but this parable is very similar to the first parable. And so this is what Jesus says. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and he bought it. So again, this is a very similar parable to the one we just read, but this is what I want to point out that's different about this parable. The difference is that this guy was looking for the pearls. He went out looking for fine pearls and then he discovered a pearl of great value and he said, this pearl is worth everything I own. So today, you may be watching online and you may be searching for something that you know there's something more in life. That you know there's more than what you found and you've found this video and you've clicked on this stream and you're watching right now and now you're discovering that the kingdom of heaven is near. And Jesus Christ is offering you this kingdom of heaven if you would surrender everything. If you would stop being Lord over your life and you would say, I'm gonna surrender, I'm gonna bow my knee to you, Jesus, and let you become king. I'm gonna let you give me direction and purpose and identity, and I'm gonna live in your kingdom from this day forward to the best of my ability. If that is what you would do, you would receive the kingdom. And you would receive infinitely more than you lose. 
because it is a priceless, one-of-a-kind kingdom, and it is incredible. And so I invite you, would you please receive the kingdom? Would you please stop searching? Would you set aside everything in order to receive the kingdom? The second thing I want to quickly point out is that this man, too, has to sell everything in order to receive it. That, again, it is a kingdom that is a priceless kingdom, but it requires that we set aside, that we surrender everything for this kingdom. We must surrender everything for the kingdom. Really quickly, our final our final takeaway is that Jesus himself gave everything to make a way for us to receive the kingdom. Jesus himself gave everything for us to receive the kingdom. At first, he sets aside the privileges of heaven to, be, to become human, that he sets aside heaven. He comes to earth. He's born not into a castle, not into a palace, but into a manger in a stable. And he lives with us as one of us. And he suffers alongside of us. And then he starts this ministry where he heals the sick, he heals the blind, that he serves the outcasts and the outsider, and he shows us what the kingdom of heaven is like and what it means to be a follower, what it means to be a child of God. And then he is falsely accused and he's falsely condemned and he is executed. They drive nails through his wrists and his feet. They tear the skin from his back and they watch him suffocating and dying on a cross and he dies to pay the sin for our debt. And he doesn't even get to keep the clothes on his back, but they strip him of even those. And he gives everything to purchase the kingdom for us. And in purchasing the kingdom that we could not purchase on our own, he makes a way for us to receive the kingdom if we trust and believe in him. And we produce repentance by turning away from our sin and following him. And so he himself has given everything to purchase this kingdom which should cause us to think this must be an incredibly priceless kingdom if it cost the Son of God his life, that it cost him his life in order to purchase this kingdom. It must be a priceless, one-of-a-kind, amazing kingdom. And so this is the kingdom. It is a priceless treasure. It will cost us everything. We have to surrender everything to God in order to purchase it. But in gaining the kingdom, we gain infinitely more than we lose. And lastly, Jesus gave everything in order for us to receive the kingdom. So this is what I ask you. This is my takeaway that I ask for you this morning. Is next Sunday when we start our 2020 reading plan, would you pick up a reading plan? Would you study that reading plan? And would you begin to read and to study the Bible with us? Would you begin to day after day read those two chapters that the reading plan is asking us to read? And would you study God's word with us? Because as we study and we read God's word, we begin to understand the kingdom. We begin to see the value of the kingdom. We also begin to understand what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom and how we should live inside of that kingdom. And then it also begins to tell us about the king of this kingdom. So would you join me, would you join our church in reading and studying God's word so that we would become students of the kingdom, we would become better citizens of the kingdom, and we would become better followers of the king. That is my request for you on this Sunday. Now, I have a good friend who I, I shared some of this message with, and he said, Jordan, it's interesting that you're going to tell me about how priceless and how valuable this kingdom is and how we gain so much more than we lose, and then your, your takeaway is would you go read? said it's just interesting that that's the takeaway 
Now, the reason that I'm asking you to do this is because in my experience, in my heart, is if I don't focus on the treasure, if I don't focus on the kingdom, what happens is I begin to become, I begin to become bitter. That if I focus on what I lose, if I focus on what I give up, I begin to become bitter and I begin to wonder, did I really make the right decision? That I know deep down in my heart that I did and I can think about it and say, yeah, I made the right decision. This is worth giving up. But there's this moment where there's this bitterness that begins to seep in because I gave up a non-awkward Christmas or I gave up getting to marry the person that I wanted to marry or I gave up giving up this thing or that thing or whatever it is for you. You begin to think, did I make the right decision? Like, yes, I gained the kingdom, but did I really, gain, did I really make the right decision? But here's what happens. When we focus on the treasure that we gain, not on the temporary trinkets that we lose, we, we lose the bitterness, and what we gain is gratitude and thankfulness. We begin to realize, I made the right decision, and I see that I gained infinitely more than I lost. And so that's why I'm asking you to read. That's why I'm asking you to study these words, because as we study these words, we will uncover the treasure in the kingdom. We will uncover the priceless value, and we will see that we're gaining infinitely more than we're losing. Now, finally, as I ask people to read, I know that there's many of you that are probably watching from home, and you're going, well, that takes me out of it, that I'm, I'm not a reader. And I understand that. And so you can listen to the Bible. There are incredible Bible apps that if you come back next Sunday, I would love to help you download onto your phone and show you how you can listen to the Bible and it will read it to you and it will take you 10 or 15 minutes each day to cover those two chapters and you will invest in learning about the kingdom and how to be a citizen in the kingdom and how to follow the king of this kingdom. But I want you to know if you're someone who doesn't read, you have this incredible opportunity that those of us who do read don't have. And that is to show the value and the worth of studying the kingdom and reading this text. Because your family knows that you don't read. That if you were to say right now, hey guys, I, I'm not a reader. They're like, what? I thought you were a reader, dad. Or I thought you were a reader, mom. They know that you are not a reader. That they have not been fooled. They know. And if you began to read and to study this text and read and study this book, then what would happen is they begin to say, my dad doesn't read any other book besides this book that I've never seen him read another book. I've never seen him pick up another book. That he always says, I stopped reading in se after my senior year. I got done with English, and that was it. But then I started picking up this book. I started reading this text, and I saw that he read this one. And then your kids will see, your spouse will see the value that you put on this book as you read it, as you study this book when you don't read any other book. There might come a day when you stand on a stage, when your kids stand on a stage at your funeral. They say, one of the things that I appreciated most about my dad or most about my mom is that I remember day after day seeing them read the Bible. And I know that was the only book they read. They, just, they did not like reading, but they said, I'm going to make an effort and I'm going to make a purpose and I'm going to make it my life's goal to read and to study and to know this book because it connects me to the Savior of my life and to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And it tells me how to be a better citizen in his kingdom. And it shows me the treasure and the value and the worth of that kingdom. And because of that, he studied and he studied and he studied and I saw the value and the worth of the word and I too studied it and it changed and transformed my life as I studied it day after day and let the word get inside of me. And so I invite you, would you please study it? Would you please read it? Would you join us? Because it will shape and mold your life to be, make you a better kingdom citizen that will erase bitterness in your life as you see the treasure that you're gaining 
and it will teach you about the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for this opportunity again to read and study your word. God, I pray for all the people watching this online. Would you please use this in their hearts and their lives? Would you ignite in them a love for the kingdom? Would you ignite in them this desire to see this treasure? They would search it out. They would become experts when it comes to this kingdom. They would be like scholars and experts when it comes to the kingdom, Lord. God, we pray this all in your son's name. Amen. Thank you for joining us this Sunday. I pray a blessing on your family that you be filled with the Holy Spirit and you would have uh, just a wonderful day of being blessed by God.